Get ready to peel back the layers of fruity goodness with It's Bananas, the podcast where we build an appetite for juicy living. Pleasure, fun, joy, and connection await with each succulent bite. It's deep, it's delicious, and it's bananas. Hi everyone, welcome back to Snack Time here on It's Bananas. This is Becky, also known as the Fruit Maven. Today we're going to look at what's on my mind, what's on my table, and who's at my table. I am thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to be joined virtually today by Max Daniels, a close friend, coach, and the author of a new book that I am very excited to talk to you all about today called Meals at Mealtimes. Rapid Recovery for Binge Eating. But before we get to that, we'll talk about what's on our table, which are some beautiful Hychea persimmons. And of course, before that, Max, please feel free to say hello and introduce yourself any way you'd like. Hello. Thank you for having me. I am a persimmon lover, actually, and I'm a writer and life coach. And as you mentioned, my first book just came out. Yay! (laughs) The main thing is I'm a huge, huge fan of your pod, so I'm super stoked to be here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm a huge fan of you, so I am equally excited that you are here. I've followed your work for a long time. I think we've known each other for six or seven years. You are another friend who I met online, although we have met in person a couple times. We kind of met in a goofy way, I feel like. Do you you remember how we first got connected? Oh, I do, uh, because this has not happened very many times in my life. But we had a mutual friend, Simone Saul, and I saw her interviewing you about your cleaning supply business, right? Housework hacks and cleaning supplies. And then I saw you folding your laundry live on Facebook. I was like, oh my God, I have to know this woman. We are going to be friends. <laughs> Yeah, so I did used to fold my laundry live on Facebook. Uh, Fun fact, I hate folding laundry. The folding of the laundry is okay. I hate putting away the laundry. I don't understand why that is so, so, so hard for me. So I, I did have my own cleaning product business at the time. And I was trying to do, you know, marketing around it. And I felt like I could go live and fold laundry and then other people could do a house chore with me. It was really a really fun thing that I did for a little bit and a bit awkward. I've always liked to take fairly mundane things and try to get them to help me enjoy life a little bit more. So those products, I think I named them You Sparkle and You Shine. Mm -hmm. So first I'm doing stuff with fruit and then I moved to cleaning products and now we're back to fruit, which is nice because fruit is both a lot less work than cleaning and way more delicious than cleaning. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. So let's talk about these Hychea. I didn't know you were a persimmon lover. I happen to know you aren't the biggest fruit lover in general. I clutch my chest at that. What is it about persimmons or the Hychea persimmon that looked interesting? And why did you choose these? Well, they're seasonally correct. As you know, in North America, it is persimmon season. And they have that kind of, I mean, I don't know, is any other fruit this color? It's just this incredible color, and it's very autumnal, this color. So they've got this green calyx, you know, and the outside is kind of like this. Well, it's like an apricot, only darker, but also more pink. And so I don't know, you know, like it's true. I don't, I'm not a big fruit fan. 
but I am a big fan of a gorgeous visual and these things are incredible. They are totally beautiful. So I have one in my hand. So it's, I love, I agree with you. I love the color. It's, it's very unique and rich. And then when you cut it, mine's cut in half already. It's so glossy mm-hmm. on the inside <laughs> and it also makes a bit of a star pattern when you cut it. It's one of various fruits that make a star, which is just a little factor that I love. If you cut it kind of the sideways, not from top to bottom, but horizontal, it makes a little star, which I love. So these are great. So I, I have not had that many persimmons. So I didn't, when I first had one, I didn't realize you have to, well, there's ultimately two types. There's thousands of varieties, but more or less, they fall into two kind of big groups. The Hychias, not a specific variety, but are actually like a a type of persimmon, which is the kind where they're really astringent when they're picked Mm -hmm. and you have to wait. They're really soft and kind of squishy, sort of like a... mm, water balloon maybe like like a tomato a little bit past its ripeness so that's one style and this is that that's what we have today and then the other style is the fuyu which you can eat right off the tree you can eat them when they're hard you can eat them when they're crisp and they're never astringent and those are more just a a completely different type and I kind of have always had the fuyus which are fine I don't dislike them or anything but they just aren't quite as sexy as these so I'm excited to have this today I do agree that the fuyus are not nearly as sexy as the hachia. You know, they're they're reliable. They're the workhorse persimmon. This thing is just like, oh, it's so beautiful. Should we try it? Have you have you cut yours open? Should we give it a little taste? Is it nice and wobbly? Yeah, juicy? it's oh, ready. actually, let's smell it. Smell yeah. it first. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Smell. I'm gonna smell mine. Hmm. What does yours smell like? It smells like yeast, Becky. <laughs> yeah, it does smell a little like yeast and a little like I say I would say apricot smelling. I don't know mm. if I'm being tricked by the color, but a little bit. Mm. Okay, let's try it. I have a spoon. Oh, you don't? No, I do not have a. Well, no, I do not smell apricot, and I do not have a spoon. I just have a knife. I'm just gonna like I don't know, cut a hunk. Okay. Oh gosh. This thing is quite ripe. Mine too. Mm. It's it's like eating jelly out of the jar. Mm. Like it's very gelatinous, the tiniest bit stringy, but mostly that's gone. It's just like a little jello jam pudding thing. Not, uh-huh. not pudding texture, but jelly texture. I like it. I don't usually love things that are quite this gelatinous. It can kind of be a little bit of sensory overload, but Mm. I love this. And I would for sure spread it like on toast or something. Like it's literally like jam. (laughs) Yeah. I would not put this in a smoothie. Mm. I feel like it would get lost. Yeah, for sure. You wouldn't even be able to, I mean, I guess if it was a very plain smoothie and this was the only flavor, but that seems, then what's the point? Yeah. Are you eating the skin? No, this is, I'm not. Are you? I'm gonna. I haven't tried the skin. I should have, I need a napkin. It is so gelatinous that it's kind of drippy. I'm going to mute myself while I chew the skin. I don't love the skin. I don't hate it, but I don't feel like it adds anything for me. I prefer the inside. Well, they do say that, you know, a lot of nutrients are in the skin. So I don't know if that's true. I did kind of like it. It gives it more interesting, like it's a little bit more complex for sure than just a very sweet jam. Mm-hmm. Mm. Some backbone. Okay. One thing we do around here, I don't always ask guests this. 
because it can be a little bit personal. But one thing I like to do, if you listen to It's Bananas, is I like to lick it. And I have to say, (laughs) you are the reason that I lick fruit. So I want to give you full credit for that. Because before I started this podcast, I sent you the description. And one of the things that said in the description was life doesn't make a lick of sense, but licking fruit does. And you quite wisely pointed out, we don't actually lick fruit. So perhaps that doesn't make sense either. (laughs) which made me laugh because you are correct and also I thought well we do now like now we lick fruit that is what we are gonna do so do you want to try licking the inside of this with me yeah although I do think it's gonna be kind of redundant but sure let's try it I I feel it's not adding to the experience what do you think I will say I agree with you except mine has a little bit of a stringiness when I actually eat it and I get to avoid all of that by licking it (laughs) And I sort of like that. Like I just get the juicy bits and it tastes really good and it's soft on my tongue and I'm into it. I would lick this. Like this feels fun to lick. It would take forever. Like it's fair. It's not efficient. It is not an efficient way to eat this fruit. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. What's that old commercial where like how many licks to the inside of the Tootsie Pop? How many licks to get rid of? Not to get rid of. <laughs> that's a terrible way to word it. How many licks to eat this whole persimmon? I feel like it would take hours. Oh, yes. I'm not here for that. No. Mm -mm. I've been impatient with this, and I've just started, like, biting at it. Okay, so it only got, like, one lick. This is a good fruit, though. It is a good fruit. So, overall, we didn't rate this as we went, but this Mm. is a five out of five for me. This is delicious. Really? There are not very many fruits that look this pretty. It has a sweet smell, and I really like this texture. I mean, you usually have to do work to get something to be kind of a jam like this. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a winner all around. I'll maybe take off a half star for the fact that it's all over my hands right now. It is messy. But that is perhaps my own fault. I feel this is like an artist's model fruit. I I give it like top marks for beauty. Physical, visual beauty. Incredible. I agree. Is it? I actually don't know the answer to this. because So I just did a pot on pomegranates. And pomegranates are in art all over the place. Mm -hmm. I don't know if persimmons show up in art all that often. Do you know? I don't off the top of my head, but I feel it's a worthy question to ask the internet. I'm going to find out. I'm going to look that up after this. I'll share it if I find it. I bet it does. It's too beautiful to not be in art. Exactly. The color, the glossiness. I was going to say, I don't know anything about like, you know, pomegranates are all over mythology, right? But is the Hachiya yeah. persimmon all over mythology? I've never heard that, but maybe there are stories I don't know. I'll look that up. I like to know those things, so I will I will get up to speed on that. Segwaying over to what's on our minds. One thing, if I were to oversimplify and encapsulate the It's Banana approach, if you could even call it, call it an approach, <laughs> would be that I believe we can learn about ourselves, what we do don't love, what we like by truly engaging with a single bite or even a single lick of fruit like we just did and asking questions about the history and about ourselves and about, you know, how the experience is for us. And you can do that with any food, obviously, but I'm using fruit and that that knowledge is good practice for engaging in like all kinds of areas of our lives where we want to be more engaged and have a more juicy experience. So when I think of your body of work, in a similar way, and I grossly oversimplify it. So apologies for that in advance, because it's far more extensive and nuanced than this. But 
I would almost say that you address the absolute other extreme end of the spectrum where we've eaten so much food in such a chaotic way that we actually lose our sense of ourselves. And it's hard to get that back because there's this really very real sense that we've lost control of ourselves somehow. And that that's perhaps more broad than food, but for sure, we've lost some sense of control in our relationship with food. So first of all, does that description sound broadly accurate to you or how might you clarify that? Yeah, it does sound accurate. And and I think, well, there's a, a well, there's a bunch of threads I could pull there. But one thing that seems, jumps right up right away is that binge eating is a habit that really takes us out of engagement with life like any like really powerful habit so obviously that's common with a lot of addictions or compulsions you know Mm. you get so obsessive that there's you miss a lot of juiciness and delight and engagement with life which doesn't always mean deliciousness right like but engagement with life can mean you encounter weird flavors or things that you don't like but that's being alive and Mm, a binge eating habit there's kind of some deadness in there and that's you know a lot of addictions or compulsions are like that but in the addict world in the addiction world people like to point out that nobody needs to drink or gamble to stay alive but you do have to eat every day and often that's seen as kind of like a stumbling block the fact that you have to face your substance every day but i disagree i think it's a way back into life because food is very fundamental to life and you know we live on a planet that's covered in food and (laughs) much of it is really good like these persimmons and i think we can love to eat and be completely permanently recovered from binge eating those two are they're compatible yeah i i love that one of the sentences you just said which is it's a way back into life that's that's really that's really beautiful. I agree with you about the addiction model. I, there's addiction in my family, so I'm really familiar with how how that works. And food is such a unique area, as you described. As I was reading your book, I absolutely loved these two sentences that were: "Perfection is not our project; liberation is our project." And for me, as a self-proclaimed kind of perfectionist of sorts. That really landed with me. And honestly, I feel like most of what I'm trying to do in life in general, but also here on It's Bananas is to liberate myself and, and make, you know, hopefully others ideally from the various boxes that I end up in for one reason or another. What would you say freedom or liberation looks like for you when it comes to eating? Mm. Well, for me, it's first and foremost about having permission to eat. So like getting out of diet jail, really important first step. Yeah. Yeah. That liberates us immediately from a huge source of anxiety and preoccupation and survival concerns. Because we've always wanted to have enough food, like it's a prime directive for humans. And for for as long as we've been humans and since before, you know, a full belly is comfort, a full belly is safety. So we're really concerned with that. So being liberated from self-starvation, super important. Also just acknowledging the, you know, there's a way that in eating disorder circles, 
they kind of poo-poo the importance of that. Like they'll say stuff like, and I've heard this a lot, you're never going to go hungry in North America, you know, like you don't need to eat right now, which first of all, that's not true. Lots of people in North America do go hungry, but even if it were true now for us, a lot of us still had these ancestral memories, these immigrant narratives in our family, we might or might not be aware of them, but disasters in our past, like these things as starvation and hunger are common human experiences. And the fear of that is human and it's real. And I think it's kind of like a losing battle that we don't need to struggle with. We could just take care of it by feeding ourselves. And another common idea, you know, is that the first step toward liberation is spontaneity. But I have never really observed that to work. Like this idea, this it's like this super popular idea. Eat when you're hungry, stop when you've had enough. And to me, that is such a trap. I've I've almost never seen it work for anyone. And I've been um <laughs> I've been hanging around binge eaters for a really long time. So what I observe to work fast is to apply structure like that's the actual first step toward liberation structure in the form of regular meals and you pair that with the freedom of setting your own schedule choosing your own foods choosing your own amounts but like the timing the structure of the timing is so helpful to liberate us from that obsession and the habit yeah i have tried the eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full and fell on my face just dramatically. And then you add another layer of shame when that happens because it's like, shouldn't I know how to do this? And they're like, oh, babies know how to do it. But they don't. They don't, <laughs> they don't actually. They don't. We all learn these things. And, you know, we learn a lot of these things from our families, you know, some from so far back that get these, this relationship with food gets handed down and, you know, it's family, it's culture, it's all of these things and this this idea that you should intuitively know how to do that just seems so grossly incorrect and harmful the spirit of it makes sense to me but the execution of it just falls so flat freedom for me often comes with a reasonable amount of structure where i understand where the boundaries are where the lines are and then i can feel free and safe to play within those full freedom doesn't I mean, full, like no rules feels more like chaos than freedom to me. But the rules that society offers us around eating also don't work for me. So I feel like so many of us have landed in this really frustrating place, uh, which is why, I mean, we're going to just keep going on this, but I I don't want to gush the whole time I'm talking to you, but that's why I find your work so powerful because it's so simple and yet it, it feels earth shattering to me. How do you think freedom with food, the way that you described it within structure, can lead to more joy in life? And is that even connected for you? Well, I want it to be. But well, the truth is, like, I, I'm not a big joy expert. So much of my life, I've spent angsting and hating myself and feeling long. And, you know, to be honest, like actually subhuman, like that was my binge eating mm-hmm. obsession experience. Just like, uh, I'm not quite a member of the human race, although everybody else is. 
So, you know, to me, leaving behind the shame of binge eating and the obsession and like having some fucking life force to do other things that has liberated me in a way that it's just, it's brought me to this level of like, I feel basically okay. And that is kind of (laughs) like a huge victory to me. Like this basic platform of okayness. Yeah. (laughs) But you know what? Food still does bring me joy. And actually, I don't know if the word still applies because I don't know if a binge eater gets a lot of joy from food. I think I probably did not, but I do now. Like I, I love food and, you know, it's like one of those basic, simple pleasures that humans like to complicate just to make things fun you know, in a good way, like dressing up and going to fancy restaurants and eating crazy things and, you know, trying to get that reservation and, you know, having like the experience of flavor you've never tasted before in like a super kind of elevated environment. And like every, when the, like the room is like, oh my God, joy train brings me right there. Same. It's the best. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I agree. And all the the narrative around food and particularly, you know, I hate, I hate the word diet. I hate diets. But the narrative around dieting and society's relationship with food is that a lot of what you just described has to be let go of in order to like succeed at some other standard. And so it's it's just the whole thing is brutal. And I don't want to go too far into diets, but I've read a lot of books on food in my lifetime and 99.9% of them are secretly diets, even if they claim that they are not. And I can say with absolute 100% certainty that your book and your approach is not that. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. As someone who eats chaotically and is prone to binging here and there or just endlessly grazing throughout the day, I just appreciate that this isn't, it, and never has been a trick on, like a trick or a play on words. It's not a diet. It's not about weight loss. It's a structure or a container to feel supported with food. And that stable base Mm -hmm. gives freedom, which is so beautiful. Freedom from a lot of things, but especially from this idea of binging. So how would you define binge eating? Well, you know, I always let people, clients, you know, and readers define it for themselves. But for me, it's like the urgency beforehand and the regret afterward. Those are always present. It's hiding your eating. It's shame. It's compulsion. It's the desperate wish not to binge with this rage to eat more, more, more. It's like watching yourself do something that you really don't want to do and being just unable to stop. I don't like any of those clinical definitions, you know, so it's not an amount or a type of food. It's not a frequency or a duration. It's just like eating out of control in a way that you really regret. You wish you weren't doing yeah. If you're willing to share, what what did that look like for you? Well, for me, it went on for like decades. It started in puberty. And as so often in people's stories, it started with dieting and restriction. So it looked like a cycle, you know, 
I'd undereat until I just couldn't do it anymore. I'd lose control. I'd eat like crazy, huge quantities of food, way past hunger. And, you know, part of me always knew, you know, after first few go-rounds, I knew that I'd be getting back on that stupid diet merry-go-round again and starve myself. So I would just eat more in advance of that. So if I was in the binge part of the cycle, that just meant eating until I was in pain. Mm -hmm. And specifically, I mean, I've given myself food poisoning by just eating old expired shit in the house. I've stolen from roommates, wow. you know, eating their food in the middle of the night. Oh, drinking large quantities of maple syrup straight from the jug, like all kinds of things that would just make me hate myself more, which would then make yeah. me diet harder because because that's how I thought I could be more livable. So that's what makes it a cycle, you know, a doom cycle, and it can go on for a really long time, which in my case it did. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you want to tell me what it looked like for you, Becky? Yeah, for me, it started for me later. I I kind of learned about dieting in college, which is sort of a it was a little bit later. It, it didn't start at home at all. And and I was certainly on the diet cycle of kind of going back and forth that restriction and then kind of re- reacting and overeating. But I would say the most that I've felt sort of what you, your most basic description of that out of control feeling has been kind of in the last decade where I just get, I eat too much. I get very full and I go past that point. And then I wonder why I've done that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and then I feel out of control about something I feel like I should be able to control. And then I'm in this weird mental cycle about it. So that, that place of like, why can't I stop eating? Kind of a little bit going back to that, like you should eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full. I found the stopping when I'm full part almost ludicrous. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like if I know I'm full, I still doesn't mean I'm ready to stop eating. Like I like it. Mm-hmm. I like eating. So that's been tough for me. And I'm not even sure I know or even care to figure out really what the root of that is other than just we're so dysfunctional as a society. And that's kind of where I landed with things. It's just for me, it's been more historically about I don't feel like I have a an ending to eating that has felt good for me, hmm. basically. Which is why I love the aspect of your book, which is about meals, which are a defined, discrete thing. So how do you define a meal? Yeah, this is a good question. Do you mind if I just address your specific thing for a second? Because I think that's not super uncommon. Yeah. So that's like a little... mm. So there's this stage that we go through where if we've been binging and restricting and on that diet cycle, diet binge cycle for a long time, our signals are just out of whack. And it can take a while for us to start interpreting hunger and satiety signals more reliably, which is why I never recommend that somebody go straight from binge eating to quote eating when you're hungry and stopping when you've had enough. Cause, cause it's really fucking hard to tell. It's just really hard to tell. And I've observed that in so many clients. So 
one way to work with that is to just kind of get as predictable and reliable with the amount of food that you eat eat as you do with mealtimes. And it's a way for your body Mm. to just kind of relax, like, okay, we're going to get enough. And then signals can, you know, you can start to hear your body a little bit better when there's like this baseline of enoughness happening in the system, like your hormones will settle down. If you feel like you just want to keep eating, okay, well, there's one thing you can do, which is ask yourself, what happens after the meal? Is there like something I don't want to do? (laughs) Sometimes people have that going on. Oh, I don't want breakfast to end because then I have to go to work. But just not fretting too much over how much you're eating, but just like putting some food on your plate. And when it's gone, you, that's the end of the meal. You stop. And you could experiment with that for you know, a little bit if you wanted to and see how that goes. You know, just removing the decision making. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I have started doing that. And I also literally after reading your book, and, and again, I've followed your work for a long time. I've tried different things a few different ways, but the way you lay it out is really clear. And and of course, when we revisit any kind of information, we you know, experience the next layer of where we're meeting where we're at and then where that information is and and sometimes new things come forward. But what I ended up doing, and this was just, I don't know, a month ago, it's, it hasn't been out. I mean, I got an advanced copy. Yay me. But um, it hasn't been out that long. But what I did is I added more meals to my day mm-hmm. so that at the end of the meal, I knew another one was coming soon. So this whole idea that like, well, I don't know I need to keep eating because I, I like it so much. And I just, I wasn't sure if it was like, oh, I'm not going to get to like something else. But I was like, you can stop. You get another meal in like two hours, three hours. So I, I literally wrote down what time I was going to have meals and I made them close enough that it didn't feel far away. And that has helped a lot. That's so smart. Yeah. Trusting that the next meal is coming and knowing when that is going to be is like, the golden key for former dieters. And also it works pretty good for regular humans too, like muggles. Humans just like to know that there's another meal coming. So that's kind of like the basic definition. I sort of had it in my mind that you couldn't get control by adding food. (laughs) And I don't know if in total I'm eating food, but like by giving more permission, but with structure, that was just sort of a mind flip for me. Yeah, that's cool because you're just, I mean, you're defining control, right? Yeah. You're just like, I always want people to define the specifics of meals for themselves. The core idea is that a meal is just some amount of food that you have roughly the same times every day to let your hunger hormones get regulated. So it's not a precise amount or type of food. It's just something that's enough to get you to your next meal. And you sound like the kind of person that needs or wants smaller, more frequent meals. And there's like, that's, those are meals. It's fine. (laughs) For sure. So we've, we've talked a little bit about this, but I want to ask it directly. What about hunger? Does it matter? Hmm. I think it matters a lot, but again, you know, not in that way that they eat when you're hungry and stop when you've had enough folks think it does. I really think the best results happen and the fastest results happen. And, you know, I like to say, like, you you can actually stop binging 
tonight. Like you can stop binging by bedtime tonight and never binge again. If you just feed yourself and the fastest way to do that is to not, you know, make sure that you're hungry enough to earn or deserve a meal and to just not worry about it right now. Pick a schedule that seems to make sense for your life and don't make yourself be hungry enough. Just have the meal and within, I don't know, like for a lot of people, it's like a few days, like, oh, it must be mealtime because I'm getting hungry. You know, your hormones just regulate themselves. Yeah, I love that. It is, I have had that experience. Like it was a few days and I was like, oh, this feels easy. Like everything feels like it's sort of lining up. And I also feel like I have choices too, where I'm like, okay, this schedule is working right now. It's giving me a basis and a and a platform of structure and safety and freedom. And then I know that at any time I can stop and just decide, is this meal schedule still working for me? Mm -hmm. Do I need to eat this many times a day or can I adjust it now that I have kind of like level one control, if you will? (laughs) I don't know if that's the way to think about it, but like, I feel like I'm building something, right? Like I can start with where I'm at and then I'm allowed I'm not married to this schedule for the rest of my life. I am allowed to adjust it for what's happening with me. And I, I love that that is so straightforward and effective. It's been great. Wow. I am super, super happy to hear that. Max, you are one of my favorite humans on this planet. I adore you. Your work is so smart and so, so useful. If our listeners are hungry for more specifics about Meals at Meals Times, Meals at Mealtimes, where can they find your book? Well, it is on Amazon. It's out in digital format right now. Yay! And I want to know people, I want to let people know that it's just like, it's a really short book. The directions are actually right in the title. I also, in the book, point out a bunch of little traps that the eating disorder discourse is full of. And these are all things you can totally avoid getting sidetracked by, save yourself a ton of time. And so that's another aspect of the book. I really, I want this book to end suffering for binge eaters. And I really, really appreciate having the opportunity to talk about this, Becky. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. You are, again, one of my favorite human beings. That's a wrap here on It's Bananas. Until next time, I apple you. If you find It's Bananas appealing, it would mean a lot to me if you'd plant a seed of support by giving it a five-star rating and hitting that follow or subscribe button on the It's Bananas show page. Be a peach, share a favorite episode with a friend, and reach out to me on Instagram, at Fruit Maven, all one word. 